Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast, where every week we post sermons from our lead pastor, Rick Shule, and guest preachers, as well as other content from church members and staff. We hope you hear something that resonates with your soul this week. Over the last several weeks, we've been in the sermon series called Flourish, reclaiming a creational faith, reclaiming the stories of Genesis, not as a scientific textbook on how things came about, but on stories that develop meaning about who God is as a creator and who we are as a part of creation. Now, I think the creation narratives, the stories of the Bible, they invite us into using our imagination a little bit, right? I think it's always great as Christians for us to engage our imaginations when we read the scriptures, to fill in between the lines, to really fill out the picture of what the scripture is painting for us. Now, it's really important that as we use our imaginations that we don't get confused and start thinking that our imaginations is scripture. That's where a lot of Christians get a little mixed up here. But... We are invited to dream with God about what's taking place in Scripture. One of the things that the Scriptures asks us to dream about and think about and entertain is this idea of the Garden of Eden. Here is this beautiful, perfect place where everything is ordered rightly. It's the dream that God has for creation. It has land that is rich with gold, land where the resin has a perfume smell. I don't even know what that means, right? But the Bible asks us to use your imagination. What is a land that is fertile, that is surrounded by rivers look like? One of the other things that the Bible asks us to kind of imagine is what would have happened had that garden been everything? What would have happened if Adam and Eve had never eaten the apple? What would creation be like untouched by sin, evil, and death? The Bible asks us to imagine these things. It was one of my favorite things to imagine when I was a teenager in Sunday school and youth group growing up, imagining what would happen if Adam and Eve had never eaten the apple. As a teenager, I just thought, oh, it would just be like a naked vacation all the time, right? It would just be like naked volleyball and relaxing and nothing, nothing to do. But as I matured a little bit and I continued to engage this question of what the world would be like if Adam and Eve had never eaten the apple. I started thinking, you know what? Actually, I bet there would be clothes because clothes are a good thing. They aren't inherently evil. Clothes aren't inherently sinful. Clothes protect us from the elements. Uh, Shoes on our feet are pretty important, I think. And so I think in a world without sin, yeah, there would be clothes. There would be garments that wrap us up in beauty, that have self-expression. There would be shoes. I think that there would be clothing. Would there be houses? You know, I think there would be houses. I think that there would be places that we want to separate ourselves from the elements, to be comfortable, to enjoy ourselves. Would there be transportation? Can we imagine transportation untouched by sin. I kind of think that there would be in some way, shape, or form we would figure out because the earth is big and we want to see different parts of it. And so can we imagine transportation untouched by evil 
or sin? Would there be jobs? Would there be work? That's a good question. When I was young, and this is always the question that we ask children, what do you want to do when you grow up? Which I think is a pretty rough question for young kids, if I'm being honest. We are so focused in on work. When I was asked as a first grader what I wanted to do when I grew up, I had no answers. And so we're sitting around in this circle, and I'm starting to sweat bullets about what I'm going to be when I'm growing up. And there was a a girl, her name was Emily, and I was a little smitten with her. And when it got around to her, she said that she wanted to write children's books. And so when it came around to me, I said, amazing, I want to illustrate children's books. (gasps) You and I... But I never, really, I never really wanted to work. In fact, the idea and the dream and the thing that I thought was beautiful is the idea of not working at all. Wouldn't it be great to not work? I asked my Facebook friends last week, uh, what was the worst job you'd ever had? And 60 people commented quickly, if ever you want to give a space for people to complain, go to Facebook. And... And what was interesting is probably three-fourths of all the complaints were about jobs that had to deal with food, farming, food industry, restaurants, food service, all these things. One of the grossest jobs I thought uh, was one person said, I had to clean the test tubes and the Petri dishes in a biological lab. I have no further questions. I do not want to (laughs) know what you had to touch. Jobs are such a drudgery. Jobs are such an ugly thing. We can't wait to escape jobs, escape into retirement, escape from this life of jobs, escape to the weekend, escape to vacation. Pastor Rick, don't tell me that there were jobs in the Garden of Eden. Actually, a lot of times when we think about the Garden of Eden, we think the first commandment is do not eat the fruit, but that's not the case. The first commandment is to tend the garden. In God's vision for the world, there is work. There are jobs. There are things to do. But can we imagine work untouched by evil and sin? That's the trick. In fact, when the prophets envision The next world, the world to come, Isaiah 65, when he says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. God is making all things new. There will be no more weeping. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. Lions will graze with cattle. This this, uh, scripture seem familiar to you? Part of that vision also includes, and people will build their houses and live in them. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? There's going to be jobs in heaven? Yeah. And the good ones go fast, so you better sign up quick. (laughs) I don't really really know. I don't really know if there are jobs in heaven, but I do know that in the Garden of Eden there was work, and that work was a good thing. It wasn't work that was a fallout of sin. When Adam and Eve eat the apple and God comes in and he takes the legs away from the snake and has all these problems and everything's different, everything's changed, he says to the man, Adam, you're going to work the ground and the ground won't cooperate with you and it will be toilsome and it will be hard. The fallout 
from sin in this world, the fallen world, the fallout is not work in general. The fallout is drudgery. The fallout is hating work or creating work for somebody that makes their life a living hell. That is the fallout from sin, not work itself. Work itself is a good and a beautiful thing. I see, I see some of you retired people here. You're looking really smug. I got bad news for the workers. I got bad news for the retired people. There is no concept of retirement in the scriptures. Yeah, go ahead, look it up. I'll wait for you. There is no idea of escaping work into retirement. There's no idea about saving up so much money so that one day, thank goodness, you'll never have to work again. In fact, Jesus tells a parable warning against doing such things. Interesting. Retired people, there is still work for you. I just got good news for you. You're just not going to get paid for the work that you have to do. Which gives you a sense of freedom because there is work to do. In the scriptures, it's not about work as this terrible, ugly thing that we have to escape from into the weekend, into vacations, into retirement. But working is part of what it means to be human. Working is part of what it means to be human. Remember last week, the word for a ground or soil or earth is Adama, and the word for human is Adam. Human literally means to be a groundling, to be of the earth, to, work, to be a part of the soil. And so the scriptures are saying, human being, who you are is working, part of working, a part of who you are is working the soil. You were created to work, but it is a good and a blessed thing. It's part of who you are. In an agrarian culture, um, everybody's work involved the ground. Everybody's work involved what happened to the plants, to the fruits, to your farm. In our culture, we're a little bit more separated from the ground. We're more separated from the process of food being grown and coming to our tables. Our work, most of us, is not involved in food. And so we have a harder time connecting to the ground. But the scriptures say, human being, one who comes from the soil, if you want to get back in touch with what it means to be human, go and take care of the soil. Go and work. This is who you are. There is a beauty in work that we can find, and we can find ourselves when we work. But how do we take the drudgery out of it? How do we take the toil out of it? The scriptures tell us two things that were made in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2. These stories are smashed together. They are quilted together for us today. And they tell us that we're made out of two different things, right? Chapter 1 tells us that we are made in the image of God, that we are made out of God's stuff. Chapter 2 tells us that we are made out of the ground. We are made out of ground stuff. And so, the work of becoming human 
we find our humanity, we discover, we rediscover our humanity by the twin work of being attuned with the soil and conforming our lives to the likeness of God. We have two things to do to find our humanity, to work and to worship. How do these two things work in concert to create human life for us? And when we lean into God, when we lean into our likeness of God, being created in the image of God, we see that God is a creator who likes to create beautiful things, a song that we've been singing a lot this fall. And we were designed to partner with God in creating human thing, or beautiful things, right? And we were also created in the ground. We were created and we are connected to the earth. And so our work helps us stay connected to the earth. Our work helps us stay connected to all of creation. Our job is to see how our work, what we do week in and week out, how is it cooperating with God in creating beautiful things? How is it cooperating with God in blessing the world? How is your job blessing creation? How is your job blessing other human beings? In an agrarian society, it's much easier to find those connections. Here is my job to take care of the soil, to produce food for my family. It's much easier to make those connections. I don't know what job you work. I don't know what you do, but it's up to you to find that connection. How does what you do week in and week out partner with God in creating beautiful things, in blessing creation, in blessing other people. If you can't figure that out, if your job does not make the world better, if your job does not bless people in some way, shape, or form, quit. I mean that. Your pastor said quit. Turn it in tomorrow. Tell your boss. I hope you don't because I hope, (laughs) I hope that you can find how your work and how your job partners with God in making things better in this world. When I was in seminary, my, my least favorite job was I was a barista at a coffee shop. I didn't like it. I had to wake up really early, put my wife and I in different schedules, and it felt lonely. And every day, I felt like I was just You know, people who had more money than they needed, who were a little bit too entitled, would yell at me about their coffee orders, right? And I hated it. And it was toil. And it felt like sin and death was worked into my job. (laughs) And I started to ask, God, how is this participating with you in making lives better? Is it? Would you show me, please? And as I prayed that, I saw my customers coming in in a different light. These were not just people who had too much money, who were mean, but they were tired. And I was offering them a drug (laughs) that would wake them up for the day, that would get them going. I was serving them. 
And I hoped that if they were mean to me, maybe the coffee would wake them up. And if I could smile at them, and if I could start their day differently, if I could give them some joy and some laughter, maybe, maybe their day would be less drudgery. Maybe the people they work for or the people that they hire would have a better day. With this in mind, this is such a silly joke, I can't believe I'm telling it, but um, with this in mind, one woman who was a regular customer who was always mean, she walked in, and I was trying to have a different mindset, and she walked in and she said, give me, give me a large Ethiopian, and I said, I don't think he's here today, and... And we laughed, and we laughed, and we laughed so hard, and we were taking the drudgery out of work, and when we take the drudgery out of work, we are reversing the curse of Adam and Eve eating the apple. Church, how can you take the drudgery out of your work? How can you see it as partnering with God? Do you have employees? How are you taking the drudgery out of their work? How are you helping them see that their work is partnering with God in blessing creation? Do you work for somebody who is a little rough? Can you take the drudgery out of their work? Can you reverse the curse of Adam and Eve eating the apple and taking drudgery out of work? Work is a beautiful thing. It is one of the ways that we connect with the ground. It is one of the ways that we connect with creation. It's one of the ways that we reclaim our humanity. Can we approach work in a way that has no drudgery, that blesses and sees how we are partnering God to bless the world? If we're not worshiping, if we're not attending to that part of our creation, it's harder to do. But I think, I think our work and our worship can work together to make the workplace a more beautiful place so we can make the world a more beautiful place. My retiree friends, there is still work for you. You are free to find that work, free to find how you can partner with God in making things right in this world. A lot of you Spend more time at the church volunteering. There are jobs to do here at the church. Do you know that it takes about 25 people to make a bare minimum to make a Sunday morning happen? Did you know that? From ushers and servers and tech and music, pastors, greeters, it takes a team to make a Sunday morning thing happen. There's work to do. Liturgy is actually Latin for work of the people. But far be it for me, that any job in the church should ever be a drudgery for anybody. Nobody should be doing a job that they don't want to do in the church. And so if there's something you don't like doing in the church, don't do it. God is calling somebody else to do that job. I believe it. And if God is not calling anybody to do that job, then what are we doing trying to make that job happen? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? How do we take the drudgery out of work how do we partner with God in blessing the world, blessing all of creation? As we think about this sermon, I have just a couple of questions for us. They are in your bulletins. They go like this. How, how can we 
the first, I've been asking these questions in the sermon, so it's not a big surprise. But how can you see your job as partnering with God in making things right in this world? I don't know your job. You know your jobs. How can you see the connection and your job connecting to working with God? How does, uh, how does work and worship work with each other? How do those things play in your lives? Are you attending to worship? Are you attending to work? Are you finding your humanity in these things? And then finally, what drudgery do you need to take out of work? Who, who is working in a way that uh, is, is hard, is bad? Back to my Facebook list, a number of them uh, talked about their hardest jobs were out on the farm, and a number of them said that their hardest jobs were in the restaurants, in food service. How do we, as people, make food service job less drudgery? I'll tell you one way is to tip big, all right? Tip big. Take the drudgery out of it. Let people know that they are worth more than just their paycheck. Be kind. Change work and change the world. Let's take a moment to think about these things and pray. Thank you for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more about Faith United Methodist Church in Issaquah, Washington, visit our website at www.faithunited.org or call the church office at 425-392-0123. Have a great week.